And now I am on my way. Amen. Praise God. Giving God the glory and God the honor. We want to take time to recognize our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he has made this day possible. I also want to take just a brief moment to recognize the life and the legacy of Reverend Hackey. Amen. Give Reverend Hackey a hand for all that he has done in this house. Amen. We can't forget that because we shall build upon that as we move forward. Amen. So the word of God has been read. As we come from the book of Jeremiah, I will briefly revisit the scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But then when you call on me and you come and you pray to me, then will I listen. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And just for a short while, I want to come to you with the title of the message, Call on the King. Look at your neighbor and say, Call, call on the King. The year was 1968, and on this day, Anna May, she was a beautiful, educated church girl. Her father was a minister, her grandfather was a deacon, and she came from a long line of church folk. She married, and a few months, a couple of years into the pregnancy, she discovered, as she got into the marriage, she discovered that she was pregnant. There was a child on the way. And as soon as she found out that there was a child on the way, she began to make plans for this child. She began thinking about what this birth meant. What was this new child that was coming into her life was going to do? We know that every mother does that. We know that every father does that. When we know that there's a child on the way, we begin to make plans. Well, she goes through the labor. She goes through the childbirth. She goes through all that pain that comes with childbirth. And then on that day, baby K was born. And as Anna Mae held baby Kay in her arms and she looked into his eyes and she began to dream of all the things that God was going to do with baby Kay. She looked with loving eyes and she began to cry because she knew that God had a plan. But two days after baby Kay was born, there was a problem. She noticed that baby K stopped crying. Baby K began to become lethargic. Baby K would just sleep and sleep. And she knew something was wrong. She went to the nurse in the pediatric care room and 
she said, there's something that's wrong with my baby. This was back in the 60s, and the recently integrated hospital really didn't know how to deal with African-American babies. They were pushing them to the side. They really didn't get a lot of attention. And so the nurse ignored Anna Mae. A couple of more days went by. Baby K got worse. She knew something was wrong. So finally, she went above the nurse's head. Sometimes when the devil says no, you got to go above the devil's head and go see God because God has the answer. The doctor said, oh, Anna Mae, there's a problem with baby K. Baby K is bleeding internally. Baby K has a problem. Because when she looked on baby K's side, it was all black where the blood had clotted inside baby K's body. So the doctor rushed baby K to the operating room and they performed the surgery and there was a blood transfusion and they were able to save baby K from dying. But the doctor said it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for baby K. So Anna maybe came. Worry. And there was poor baby K sitting there in the pediatric ICU. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with Anna Mae's plans? What about all her dreams that God has promised her? What about the plans? Many times in our life, we feel like Anna Mae. You know, we have been faithful church members. We've been coming to choir rehearsals. We go to the board meetings. We go to the council on ministries meetings. And still there's problems that come. There's still things that happen. And we said, God, you're the one that showed me these dreams. Why am I having so many problems? Sometimes we feel that our plans are captive to the enemy. We feel that we have plans, but somehow the devil has them on lock. When we look at church attendance worldwide, worldwide, our church attendance is dwindling. And we say, God, we're preaching Jesus. We're doing community outreach. What what is going on? But God says, I know the plans that I have for you. You see, sometimes we feel like the plans we make need to work, but we have to lean on what God has called us to do. We must stop and realize that God has a plan for us. See, when we visit our scripture, the Israelites are receiving this message from Jeremiah. You see, the Israelites had been through different situations. You see, they had crossed the River Jordan, and they had been chased by the Egyptians, and they were once in captivity with the Egyptians, but now they find themselves where they are in captivity again by the Babylonian Empire. And while they are in captivity, Jeremiah writes this scripture to them, letting them know What God says that I know the plans that I have for you. You see, the Israelites feel that while that they are in captivity, that there's nothing that they can do. 
Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you feel like that because you might be in a financial situation or you might be in a bad relationship situation that there's nothing I can do? But Jeremiah tells them that while you are in captivity, you can still praise my name. While you're in that captivity, you can still give God the glory. We can recognize that we might be in a captive situation. We may have trials, we may have tribulations, but we don't know God's plan. And we have to allow him to work it out. So today I want to share three points with you and I'll be out of your way. The first is that, we, number one, that we must recognize your preparation. Recognize that God has prepared you for your plan. The second thing is that we need to understand our position in God. And the third point, we have to activate. We have to activate our prayer and our praise. So first, to know God's plan, we have to recognize our preparation. God has prepared us for his plan. God has prepared us for ministry. But in order to move forth in his plan, we have to realize that he has prepared us by giving him his word. The word of God tells us that God's word is a light to our feet and a light unto our path. We must lean and depend on his word. His word will prepare us for anything that we might come into. God's word is true. Psalms 119 says that all of God's commandments are true. See, we can lean on his word. God's word is eternal. We know that when God makes a promise, that promise is eternal and it will carry us into this life. We have to learn how to follow and lean on God's word. You know, I... When I was growing up, I used to just be so disturbed because during Christmas time. And let me tell you why. My father was a retired Air Force mechanic. So he felt like he could fix anything. So Christmas morning, I used to always ask, I said, I hope my mama don't give me toys there together to put together. Oh, Lord, I hope. And so I would get my Christmas toys and my daddy would start opening up the toys and he would take out the directions and throw them back. He wouldn't follow in that one direction. I would get my trucks, they would have the front wheels on the back wheels, the back wheels on the front wheels. He put my little toy table together, it was upside down, the sign was turned. You see, my father felt like he knew what the plan should be. My father felt like because he, had, he was an Air, Air Force mechanic, why does he need to follow directions? In our life, we can't follow what we want to do. We have to follow God's word. We have to follow what the word of God says because if we don't, our front wheels will be on our back wheels and our back wheels will be on our front wheels and we'll be driving around backwards going the wrong way. Realize that God has prepared you by giving you his word. But even as God has prepared us, he has positioned us for his plan. God has positioned us for his plan. 
You see, I mentioned earlier that the children of Israel found themselves in captivity. And if you read the verses before, you see that God told them, well, while you are in captivity, I need you to pray for those people. Pray? Why am I praying for my captors? Why am I praying for those that have oppressed me? But God says, pray for those that use you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. So God said, I have positioned you in captivity so that you can minister. While they're praying for their captors, there may have been somebody that came to the Lord. Where does that position us as a church? We should be praying for those in our community. We should be praying and ministering to those that we don't like. We should be praying and minister to those that don't look like us. We should be praying and minister to those that haven't paid back the money that they owed us. We should be praying and ministering to those that talked bad about us in the church parking lot and they got back to us. We should be ministering to those that we don't like. We should be ministering to those with the day when we showed up at church with the attitude and then speak to them. Then they got mad at us. Those are the people that we should be praying for. Pray. So God has positioned us in a situation that will encourage us and enable us to do ministry. But even as God has prepared us by giving us his word, and even as God has positioned us to do ministry, to know his plan. Then verse 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray for me and I will listen to you. When we find ourselves in a captive situation, sometimes we pray and we feel like God is not listening. Lord, I've been praying about this year after year. I've been praying about this. And, then, and God, I haven't seen the change. So are we not calling on God? Is God not listening? Or are we not calling him the right way? I'm going to take a moment to pick up my son who's here. When, when we were growing up, when he was growing up, rather, I was growing up too. <laughs> he was really, he probably doesn't remember this. He was about eight years old, so he decided he was going to try daddy. And we, we're in the store, and we're walking around, and he said, hey, Daryl. Mamas, you know how you got the basket, the child said, Scoot! <laughs> and I said, what did you say? <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> how are we calling on our father? Come on now. Come on now. 
Are you entering with boldness and proudness like God owes you something? Or are you entering with humility? Are you, are you entering with an attitude of praise? Are we entering and acknowledging him as the creator of the universe? How are we acknowledging God? Sometimes I think that we are so disrespectful to God, he's not going to answer those prayers. God is not answering those prayers from a disrespectful child. And he's certainly not going to answer prayers from a child that only comes to him when they need something. So we have to activate our prayer. But what about little baby Kay? Well, he remained in ICU. And things continued to get worse. But Anna Mae decided that she was not going to sit idly by. She recognized her preparation. She realized that she needed to go to the word of God. She recognized her position. She realized that she couldn't hold it against that nurse that gave the bad diagnosis. She prayed for that nurse. But then she went to God's family. She went to the church. And the church began to pray. The church began to pray. The church began to pray. And the church began to pray. And they began to call on the king. They began to call on the king. And as they began to call on the king, baby K got better. Baby K became healed. And he was able to come out of the ICU. But that wasn't it because baby K then began to grow up. And then he was a little child. And then one day he was in a car accident with his grandfather. His grandfather was killed, but he was spared. Anna Mae was calling on the king because her prayers had protected baby K. But one day, Mother Anna Mae died. And baby K had learned this was a time that he had to call on the king. And so he grew up. And about the age of seven, baby K learned how to play the piano. And Baby K grew up more and more. And Baby K then was able to play for the choir. Baby K grew up some more. Baby K had learned how to call on the king. Baby K grew up some more. And God bless Baby K with the family. Baby K had been in two deaf situations, but he had learned to call on the king. Baby K went through trials and tribulations. 
Baby K went through relationship challenges. Baby K went through sickness problems. But Baby K grew up because he learned how to call on the king. And then Baby K was called into the ministry. Baby K realized that God had a calling on his life and that God was going to take him into the preaching ministry. And then Baby K decided one day that he was going to go to seminary and that one day God wanted to bless him to be a pastor. And then one day Baby K received a phone call that God is sending you to Metropolitan United Methodist Church to be the pastor. I am Baby K and I have learned how to call on the king. Metropolitan, as we move forth, we have to learn how to call on the king. Give God some glory. Give God some praise. We have to call on the king. Metropolitan, we are the right people at the right time, at the right place, with the right, prepar right preparation. And God has called us to ministry with our preparation, with our positioning here in this place called Paul McKee, Maryland, in this place outside of Head, And God is going to call us to ministry. And when Jesus sent his disciples, he sent them into Jerusalem first. So here we are in Jerusalem, and we have to continue the ministry. And then he sent them to Samaria. So we're going to go outside of Pope Monkey and minister. But then God said, go out in all the world. That means that we have to go down Indian Highway and up to 10 and up to 10 and up to 10 to take the gospel to the world. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that he had a plan for your life. But they hung him on that cross. And he could have called down the legion of angels to take him down. But he knew God had a plan for you, and for you, and for you. So because of that plan, he stayed there. He took that pain. He took that whipping. He took that piercing in his side. And then he died. And on the third day, he rose again with all power in his hands if we just call on the king. And so today, Jesus is here. Jesus is here standing and waiting for you. Maybe there's someone that wants to come at this time to give their life to Christ.